Hey, this is Matt McClure here, one of the lead pastors here at TakeOver Church. Thank you so much for checking out this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. And just a reminder, we have got services every single Sunday at 5 p.m. And we would love to have a chance to meet you, to hear your story, and to welcome you home. Thanks again for listening today. Hope this message blesses you. Because, man, there are things in our lives that, unfortunately, as sons and daughters, as citizens of heaven, that we have come under the rule and reign of. And I felt like God was saying, in this season, there are some things in people's lives that are part of your church, that are part of this world, that are part of our city and the culture that we are in, that, man, they need to be uprooted. There are some empires that are ruling and reigning over people's lives, all while them being citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So that's kind of what an empire is. An empire is something that started off as temptation, and then temptation became sin, and that sin became a foothold from the devil and that foothold grew and it became a massive highway driving its way through your life and then all of a sudden you find yourself on this highway trying to play Frogger if you know what PlayStation 1 is playing Frogger you're trying to get across the street but you're in the chaos and you're already in the thick of it and all you're seeing is cars go by and it's this highway of Man, you just feel like you're surrounded by it. You might as well just give yourself into it and then suddenly find ourselves given into this sin, into the situation, into this thing in our lives. And all of a sudden, we're so given into it that we might still be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We might still be following Jesus, but our actions and our inactions and our speech and the things in our lives and our depression and all these things are suddenly underneath the rule and the reign of a lesser God, but we've made him a higher God in our lives. That's what empires is about. And so week one, anybody remember the title of the message? Probably not. Yes, the great street psalmist, Sean Carter, wrote a song called Empire State of Mind with the amazing Alicia Keys. Hello. Let's hear it for new. Yeah, you know the song. Don't act like you don't. Just because we're in church, people are looking at you. Come on. There's no judgment. Empire state of mind. Where we talked about mental illness, but we also talked about those other things in life that maybe we didn't ask for, that we wouldn't have asked for, that we couldn't even have imagined, but the things that come onto our lives and glom onto our lives, and suddenly we are completely oppressed and depressed, and we are underneath the rule and reign of things in our lives that we didn't ask for, that maybe it's a chemical imbalance in the brain, maybe there's things going on, maybe there's extenuating circumstances that we have succumbed to because our culture in our world says that it's okay to succumb to those things, but our God, our Jesus is in that conversation. He says, take heart, I have overcome the world. So if I've overcome the world, I've overcome your world, if I've overcome the world and your world, then you can overcome this through my blood in Jesus' name, amen? Then week two, what was the title of the message last week? Can you remember? Empire of being a victim. I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory, but this is a song, or is a this is a message that hit me. That was man. I feel like our world and our culture today just totally makes it okay to not only victimize people, but to be a victim. And once you are a victim, it's okay to stay there because somebody took something from you. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter what somebody's taken from you. Jesus has so much more for you on the other side of it. He was there when it happened. He was there when you've gone through it. He was there when you labeled yourself it. He's been there for 15 years. If you've been in this victim season, he's saying now it's surrender season. Now it's submission season. Now it's giving it to me because I have more for you on the other side of this. You don't need to stay oppressed. You don't need to stay chained up. I've got you. There are better days ahead of you, friend. So that leads us to tonight. Seriously, some people are staring a hole at me like, Matt, don't do it. Like, just don't even preach. Bring the worship band back up. You're going to make it really heavy again. It's been heavy, but it's been good. Amen? 
Because I got to tell you, man, this is a church that is for a build up, not a beat down. Amen. This is a church for the glow up, not for the throw up. Unless you're throwing up these hands. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Y'all make me crazy. Literally in my notes. I was like, that's going to be funny. It's not. Great. Cool. Don't worry about it. It's for the glow up, not the throw up. Let's throw up his hands. Hey. Yeah, there we go. Matt, you're white. Come to terms with it. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's just been, it's been 27 years and I haven't figured that out yet. But tonight, the title of my message is this. Where my note takers at? Who's going to heaven? Where are my hands? No, just kidding. <laughs> to write this down, the title of my message is this. The Empire of Self. The Empire of Self. I know some people are looking at me like, dude, can we just have, like, can we go back to the weeks where you weren't in your feelings, where I wasn't in my feelings, where it was just like, yeah, Jesus is great, you know? Like, why are we excavating these things? It's because it's good. I think God wants to do something, and I think he wants to move, and I think he wants to begin a conversation with you tonight where, man, he is going to see the empire of self fall in your life. And I want to give you the word, and I want to give you the tools, and I want to give you the presence and the power of your neighbors being here, lifting up the name of Jesus that is the name above all names, including yourself, because a lot of us don't realize that we are our own emperor, we are our own empress, we have given our lives to Jesus, but there are some of us in this room, some of us in the city, some of us in this country, and in this world globally have begun to follow Jesus, but suddenly over time we have taken more and more reins over our lives. And I believe Jesus, one, isn't satisfied with that because he has been saying to you and to me for a long time, I've got more, I've got better, just give it to me. We're going to get through everything, we're going to overcome everything, and you are going to experience victory in your life. Does that sound good? Cool, I don't need to preach anymore. Worship team, you can come back. No, I'm kidding. You all ready for a Bible? When I say I said that kind of funny. Bible. All right. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 in the ESV. We're going to have it up on the big Bible. It should be up there. There it is. 2 Timothy 3, 1. It's going to go through 5. Don't worry about it. Y'all ready for this? But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents on kids' church. Disobedient to your parents. You hear me? There it is. I had to make sure they knew what the Bible says. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. That is a heavy scripture, but I promise you there is good news in it, my friends. I promise you this whole message is going to be good news. No matter where we go in this message tonight, thank you for trusting me the last two weeks with this message series. I hope that I haven't let you down. I hope that me and the Holy Spirit have delivered, and I hope that you will trust me again tonight to talk to you about the empire of self. Can we pray before we go any further? That'd probably be good, huh? Jesus, we thank you so much for tonight. God, I ask that you would just come and you would continue to have your way. Show up and show off in this message, God. In this, in this setting right now, God, in this moment, Jesus, we know that you are here, that your presence is here. Holy Spirit, you are doing something in our hearts and in our lives right now. God, so we ask that eyes would be open to this. That we begin to see the reins that we have taken back from you, God. That we would begin to see the little areas in our life, God, that we have slowly handed back over to ourselves, God. 
and that you would begin to take your rightful place as ruler and reigner, as Lord and Savior of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, Faithful Church said, Amen. And yes, I realized in the middle of my prayer that reigner was not a word, but in the moment, you know, I'm hanging out in the swirl. So, I heard that term the other day, and I'm going to make fun of it forever. Um, Because I think of swirl ice cream, which I don't even eat, but... (sighs) I don't know what was said. I couldn't hear anything. I'm just making a facial expression. Fix it? Oh, like I should try swirl ice cream? I probably... Might make me a bit more holier. Man, um... I'm nervous, to be honest with you. Um, the empire itself, I think, is an incredibly huge topic. I think it's something that I wasn't looking forward to preaching on. I know that when I was preparing this message series, um, it was actually the first topic that came to mind to me that was like, this is it, this is the one, this is what you got to hit. And I was like, good God. <laughs> like, And then as they started coming together, the message series coming together, it was like, okay, if I can get Empire State of Mind first and we can we can deal with depression and we can deal with some of these other things that that our culture says it's okay to stay underneath, but God totally understands where you're at, but he can still work you and heal you and change you and grow you through it, and you can submit that to him, and he can still be Lord over such a heavy and prevalent topic because I think the church has been very quiet about depression. So therefore we have a lot of Christians who are still battling with it, who are still going through it. But they're going through it alone. They're not going through it with God who can eventually help you to overcome it. And he can get you through those days one day at a time. That's our Jesus. And then I knew that, man, if we could hit this victim mentality, which, again, we empathize and we understand. And it's like, God, I've, I share some of my own story of being a victim and of growing up in a, uh, a child of abuse and all of these things that I went through. And I shared a little bit about that so that maybe you could identify more with what I was saying because Matt has kind of been there a little bit. I'm not claiming to know your story or to have experienced your experiences. But I've been there in some semblance myself. And my God, my Jesus has gotten me through it, has gotten me out of it, and has empowered me to live a victorious life. And I believe that he will empower you to live a victorious life, no longer remaining a victim, but always a victor from last week forward. If you didn't listen to it, please check out the podcast. And then then I was trying to figure out what I was going to do the last two weeks. Because I got usually when this happens, I got about like six ideas, six titles, six perspectives to come from. And it was like, nah, there's no way around this. There was like, oh, I'm not going to spoil the rest of them. But there was all of these things that I could have hit. And it was like, oh, it's the week. It's the week. Because for me, I look around the world, and I look around our city, and I look around the church culture, and I look around all of these things. I look at Hollywood and celebrity culture, and I look at Instagram culture, and I look at all these things that dominate our life. And as I was building this message series and I was thinking about this empire of self, I was like, no, 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 we got to hit the empire of fear. We got to hit the empire of fear, right? I'm no longer a slave because I can't sing to fear. Slave to monotone, not slave to fear. But I was like, no, we got to hit fear. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, no, no, we got to hit the, the empire of emotions. We're also given over to our emotions and our world just says it's okay and nobody's actually correcting this thing. It's saying that we're not supposed to be led by our emotions, but we're supposed to be led by the spirit. And then as I got to, I am, I'm no victim and empire state of mind and all of these things, I, I got to this idea of the empire of self because the empire of self is the empire that's the gateway 
It's the gateway drug to all of these other empires. Because if we look at it, I am no victim starts with I. I struggle with fear starts with I. I'm in my emotions. I'm in my feelings starts with I. Anytime we think about these other things that creep up in our lives, I want this. I'm going to go do this. This happened to me. This was taken from me. I found myself in this. I found myself with them. Suddenly I was this. Suddenly I was that. This is my life. And I think we found the grandest empire of us all. I think it's probably the tallest. I think it's the baddest. I think it's the most dangerous. I think it's the one that we never see even though it's huge and it's there. And it's the only one as a Christian that can actually attempt to rival the kingdom of, our, of God. Now again, we sing it all the time. We have a song that says, you have no equal, you have no rival. I firmly believe that. But suddenly when we're underneath the control and the rule and reign of the empire of self, we sure do try. Because all of these other things are mindsets, they're experiences, they're spirits that come on us. These things that we're underneath the influence of, these are, these are things that begin to oppress us. But what happens when we aren't just the ones being oppressed, but we're actually the oppressors of ourselves? You see, I think this empire is big. I think it's bad. I think it's dark. I think it's looming. I think it's always there. But I think it goes unnoticed. I think it is the most destructive because it's not just destructive to your life. It's actually a self-destructive empire in our lives. And I think it's the big baddie that we kind of need to take down at the end of the game. Y'all remember that? Crash Bandicoot, gotta fight a big bad guy. Anybody ever play Crash Bandicoot? Beat it. Beat it. <laughs> what a legend. The only one <laughs> ever beat it. No picks, no proof. But <laughs> kidding. But I do think the empire of self is the one that is the most addictive. I think it's the most seductive. I think it's the one that pulls us in because it's easy to start following Jesus when he asks us, just trust me. Trust me on this journey with your life. You have given me your lordship of life. Again, we've established that lordship means he can either veto or he can nido. I know nido is not a word. The decisions and the actions and the inactions and our passions and our desires and all these things. When we give him lordship, there is not one decision in our life. There's not one conversation in our life. There's not one part of our life, one vein of our life, one part of our existence that he does not want to have a thought in the conversation, a hand in the conversation. He wants us to approach everything first with what would Jesus do at the forefront of it. I have this proposition. Would Jesus do that? There's this girl. Would, would, would Jesus... Would this, would, would, what does the Word of God say about this? How's the Holy Spirit leading you? There's these things. Because we're following Jesus and he asks us for our lives. He asks us to be a living sacrifice. We've said it before. What's the problem with a living sacrifice? Is a living sacrifice can always climb off the altar. It can always begin to take small things back. Small thoughts back. Before, Jesus said, this is a non-issue. And suddenly I looked at that and my mind kind of went, and then I looked a little bit more. Or maybe I didn't look a little bit more this time, but the next time I'm in the gas station and I see that section, and, and then I look a little bit more. 
It's these little moments of temptation that lead to very big empires in our life. And I think that all the empires that we experience that are kind of on the peripheral sprout up because we haven't dealt with the tree that is the empire of self. So we're going to talk about it tonight because, man, there's no way. Thanks, Rusty, for making fun of me. Now I can't say talk about it no more. We don't, we don't, take, the, we don't take the tree of death out of our lives by simply pruning some branches or cutting it down to the trunk. No, no, no. If you want to get rid of this tree that you have in your backyard, the kingdom of God, that has turned into an empire that is fully blocking and distorting your vision of who God is and who he says you to be, you don't just cut it down at the trunk. You don't just trim off some branches so that you can see the sun a little better. No, 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 no. You dig down deep and you rip that, trunk, that stump out from the roots. That is how we take out a problem. And tonight, I believe we're going to take out a lot of problems by looking at the empire of self. Well, why aren't we saving this for last week, next week? Why isn't, why isn't the empire of self the finale? Because next week, it's empires must fall, friends. And so tonight, we're going to take out the big baddie of empires. And I believe it's the empire of self. Will you go with me on this journey? Is that cool? Has this been good for anybody yet so far? So I love that this is Paul. If you don't know, this is Paul in this piece of scripture. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy is one of the young guns of the early church. And if you don't know a little bit about Paul, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Paul. Paul used to be a man named Saul. And Saul was a murderer of Christians. He was one of these high-ranking Jewish leaders back in the day when he was known as Saul, who was actually commissioned and sent out on mission to go and find out people who were the followers of the way. It wasn't even called Christianity at that point. They knew what a Christian was because it meant little Christ, a follower of the way, but they would find these people who identified as the follower of the way. And Paul would go out, and he would actually literally persecute and kill Christians, people like you and me who have given our lives to follow Jesus. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but because we're in West Michigan and it's like the most Jesus bumper sticker of all time. You ever seen that little Jesus fish on the back of the car? Does anybody know what that's called? <laughs> yes, it's called the ichthus, which I hate pronouncing, so we're going to call it the Jesus, from, Jesus fish from here on out. But how this idea of a Jesus fish actually came about was followers of the way were like, yo, Jesus was crucified on a cross. And before that was bling central and iced out in 2018. And we had massive crosses hanging from our neck like a, I don't know, like we're making a bank statement with it, <laughs> if we're being honest. How many diamonds are on there? 80? Okay, jeez. Before it was ever worn around a neck... The cross of Jesus was obviously a death trap. It was something made to literally drain you and kill you. If you were crucified, it was to make sure it was fatal that you were done. And so before it ever wore nice around a neck, before Christians ever identified that as our symbol, followers of the way, they would have this Jesus fish because they were like, obviously, if you think about it, if you know anything about the Bible, fish have a lot to do with a lot of things. Okay? Just throw that out there, but that has nothing to do with the actual thing. They did the fish because it was seemingly unsuspicious. So you could draw a Jesus fish in the sand. You could mark it in front of your door. They might just be like, yo, they're fishermen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody said they're going to Christians. And it wasn't because Christians were made to be fearful or anything like that. But if you were to get the gospel out, if you were to continue adding to your numbers, if you were continuing to be a witness, that was just what you had to do if you were going to add more to your numbers of people who were followers of Jesus. 
That's how you would do it. People who are looking for hope, they'd look for the fish. So it's kind of funny that here is Saul, who ends up being the, one of the great leaders of the early church, who writes a lot of the New Testament of the Bible, who raises up all these young guns. Here was a guy who was actually commissioned to go out and kill and murder Christians, and he's actually part of the reason that this fish is a big symbol on the back of our cars nowadays, as an identifier of I am a follower of Jesus, because here's Paul. And he is commissioned by a literal empire called the Roman Empire to go out and persecute and kill Christians. But one day, Paul, he meets Jesus. He's on a donkey. That's the part where a preacher takes the one opportunity he can to say the A word in church because he likes this piece of scripture and it's edgy. So insert that. But he meets Jesus and he's blinded. And he has scales on his eyes and the Holy Spirit leads him and he goes to this place, this whole amazing story, this amazing redemptive story that while on a donkey going to murder more Christians, Jesus meets him right where he's at on his way to kill people who are a part of the bride of Christ. And we see Paul come alive and Saul dies. And here's Paul, Christian pastor, apostle, leader of the early church. And so instead of, you know, doing what I think a lot of people would do, if we're being honest, like, oh man, I met Jesus, he's great, oh my gosh, like, I I've never felt more alive, I've never felt more awake, I've never seen things more clearly, I've never felt this kind of love, man, I am stoked! But they know who Saul is, and obviously I didn't get a face change. This isn't face-off with Nicolas Cage. I still look like me. I still talk like me. I still have the same donkey. I still have the same blood-stained hands. I'm still, I'm Paul, but I'm still Saul, and everyone's going to know me as Saul, so I should go and hide. No, 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 he didn't do that. He didn't succumb to the empire of self-preservation. He didn't succumb to the empire of fear and run and hide and just keep Jesus to himself because he was worried about what the rest of the Jewish leaders and council would think of him or what they'd do to him. He wasn't worried about what the Christians would think of him when he was saw murderer of Christians, mass genocide of Christians. No, no, no. He was worried about God. He gave his life to God. He gave Lord and reign of his life to God. He wasn't worried about a savior saving him from the Roman Empire. He was worried about a Lord who he needed to make sure still had all of the, the opposite, the, uh, all of the ability to still make the decisions for him. Where God said Paul would go, Paul would go. What God said Paul would do, Paul would do. When he would go and meet the early church, the guys who were gathering in houses, knowing full well they could recognize him as Saul as mass murder and maybe he'd be lying to get in, inside. Maybe he'd be uh, just uh, trying to pull one over him so that he could get inside and begin to murder Christians, brothers and sisters, followers of the way. Paul did not succumb to that fear. He did not succumb to that self-preservation that I'm sure a lot of us would have felt in that moment. He didn't run and hide. Instead, he did what Jesus said. If anybody wants to follow me, you must first pick up your cross, deny yourself, and begin to follow me. That's what it means to be a Christian. So here's Paul. Born again. New man, new life. And he's got one of the young guns of the church underneath him, Timothy. And he is writing to Timothy in that early church like I think he is writing to us here now. And he starts it off saying, 
in the end days, in the end times, there will be, how does it say it? Let me see it real quick. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, period. A lot of us will read that and we'll be like, man, it's difficult out here because it's hard out here for me. Nobody knows that song. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Hustle and Flow. Great movie. I keep kicking this cap and it's just not disappearing. There it is. We read that and we see, the sent we see the period at the end of that sentence, right? And we're like, yeah, we must be at the end of days because it's difficult. Because it's hard out here. Because I am going through trial and tribulation, man. Like the devil keeps coming to my house. We must be at the end of days. But I think we, we stop on that and we hang out on that period because we don't really want to read what happens next. Because there's this thing that Paul says coming after that that really shatters our rose-colored glasses of the enemy coming after us and him destroying our home and him being responsible for every single bad thing that's ever happened to us. Because a lot of us, we out here, See, what happens with the empire itself is you can't recognize reality for what it is. Instead, we see reality for what we want it to be. And we sit here, we, we blame the big bad devil. We see the devil as this omnipresent on the same level as God. No, no, no. There's God and there's the devil and they wage war forever. The devil's already been defeated. Now we know John 10.10 10 says, thief comes, kill, steal, and destroy. We know that. If you're a Christian, you got a bullet target on your back. And there's an enemy who has a bunch of people in darkness called demons that are going to come at you. Fact. Okay? But let me tell you this. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. You have every God-given authority underneath the sun to walk in victory. The Bible actually says resist the devil. That's all you got to do. You don't got to square up with him. You don't got to train. You should probably read the word of God, but you don't got to be pulling no Rocky. All you got to do is resist the devil and he shall flee from you. So all of a sudden, this mindset that we have, oh man, the big bad devil coming after me, visiting my house, devil get behind me. I love saying that. I love saying that. I was in the South for a while. That's a big thing. Devil get behind me. I always say that when somebody offers me, you know, carbs or any other kind of food of substance. But it's keto, bro. They're from hell. Um, <laughs> so here we are and we rest on this in the end of days there's going to be all of these things man the devil's coming at me you don't understand it's just the devil's got me down today it's just the devil's got me down today I'm like wait wait wait, wait. pump your brakes kid what does Paul say after that but understand this. Verse 1. He says, understand this. He is letting you know on sight right away. Understand this. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty, period. For people will be lovers of self. Followed by every other thing that comes from being a lover of self. In the end of days there will be difficult times for people who are lovers of self. So I wonder about this empire that we've just kind of walked past, that we've kind of just made a home around, that we've kind of allowed to take up real estate in our walks and in our journey as a Christian. When we're sitting here, man, like, why is this going on? What's he got against me? I know I got a big destiny because the devil's coming for my head. I believe all of that to be true. Don't get it twisted. But I also believe, friends, if we can be frank tonight, can we be frank tonight? Yeah. Somebody's like, who's frank? Don't worry about it. Vocabulary class, we're good. 
But if we can be honest tonight, and we can let down the walls tonight, and we can actually get honest about what the Word of God says, you and I are champions if we are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me. Paul also wrote that. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives through me. So if it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives through me, then it's no longer I that makes these decisions. It's, it's Christ that makes these decisions. Because when Christ makes my decisions, when the Holy Spirit makes my decision, when my wants, needs, desires, dreams, and all these things that I feel like I'm put on this earth to do, every gift and talent, the fiber of my being, everything that is a joy for me, everything that I want and I desire in this life, that means it's, it's not up for debate. It's not even up for negotiation. It's all just slid over to the side of the table where Jesus is on, and he now gets to make moves. He now gets to play the proverbial chessboard and say, this is for you. This is not for you. This will get you to the other side. This will bring you victory. This, this will not bring you victory. Thank you for bringing this to me. I know you're my son. You're my daughter. I know this is difficult for you. I know this has been an empire in your life. I know this has been a foothold in your life. I know that you've dealt with this thing for 15 years, this thing that happened to you. But I can tell you, if you submit this to me right now, we will make it across the board and you will find victory. If you give this to me right now, if you don't do this, if you take this route, if you take this trajectory, I have set you apart. I have called you holy. I have made you mine. I have given you the rule book. I have given you the play-by-play. -play. I have told you how to do this and how to run your race well. If you do what I say and you do what I did by submitting my life to the Father, to God, I don't know what cross, friends, to my, Matt speaking right here, I don't know what cross Jesus is asking you to pick up, what he's asking you to bear, but I do know what he's asking you to lay down, and that is your life. And when he asks you for his life, he will always promise you victory. That's better preaching than your responding. I said when he asks you for your life, he will always give you in return victory. Amen. So Paul is saying right here, he's saying, understand this in the last days there's going to be times of difficulty for the people who are lovers of self lover of money you're going to be proud you're going to be arrogant you're going to be abusive dis abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slanderous reckless swollen with conceit lovers of passion rather than lovers of God having the appearance of being godly but denying its power, avoid such people. I don't think it's the desire of any Christian in this house tonight who's a part of Takeover Church. I don't, I don't think it's the desire of any Christian who has picked up their cross, who has given their life to Jesus, who has met him, who is a part of a faith-filled church body, who is chasing Jesus with everything they have. I don't think it's the desire of our heart to ever appear godly, but deny its power. Would you agree? That's not your desire, right? You want all the power. Somebody say, I want all the power. But for some of us, we deny that power when we start taking back reins of our lives. I just feel like this. I've always seen myself ending up with somebody like this. Well, you know, my dad wants me to go into medicine, so there goes the call in youth ministry. There's no money in it. There's a lot of money in medicine. And his name will look good on a resume. That's for somebody. 
she said she'd always be there, so I just... Well, I'm at college, and I'm going to Calvin, and I'm going to Davenport, and everybody's doing it. Well, he doesn't meet my need in my marriage. And every single time we reach, because we feel, because we have a desire, because a notion pops up in our head to go to the left or go to the right, to take the reins back. Every time we reach out, we take the reins back over our lives. We're still following Jesus. We're still going to church. We're still tithing. We're still doing these things that Christians do. We still talk about God at our workplace, in our home, and in our family, and we're reading the Bible to our kids at night. But on the inside, in our backyard, in our penthouse, in the kingdom of God, slowly by slowly and surely by surely, we are taking reins of things that God wants to be in conversation with. Things that God wants to be Lord of. Things that God doesn't want to have to save you from later. He wants to say, if you make me Lord now, I will save you now rather than later. Years of heartache, pain, and disappointment. If you submit it to me now and you just let those things go, if we uproot this empire in our backyard, Matt, you can have victory now and you can have victory then and I don't have to swoop in later and save you from yourself and save you from the repercussions and save you from the consequences of the things that you decided that you felt like doing. I'm preaching anybody tonight. I'm sorry if it's heavy. But I promise you there's good news on the other side of this, man. I... If I could just be honest again tonight. I don't know if you know this, but I have an empire of self that I'm dealing with. This isn't, this isn't just me preaching at you. This is me preaching with you and for you and for myself. And we are in this battle together. I have this empire of self in my own life. And I think if you heard me, when all of a sudden I get... You know, it's, it's the dumb things too. It's not even like, oh, somebody just gave us this world-altering, you know, bad news. I just saw this thing. And those things, I am ready to like, yo, let's get together. Let's bunker down. Let's pray. We need to lay hands on you before you leave. Like, let's go. Those things aren't where I struggle with the empire of self. What, what, what builds up the empire of self in Matt's backyard is when somebody messages me and is like, yo, I'm not going to be there tonight. I said I was going to do this, but I'm actually not going to be there tonight. Maybe they don't message you at all. It's when I feel slighted, or I feel like someone's pulling one over on me, or I feel like somebody did me wrong. It's not sickness. It's not doubt. It's not none of those things for Matt. For me, it's personal relationships, and you'll know that very soon if you were with me when one of those messages or one of those moments happen. Because where Matt has rule and reign over his life, where God wishes he had rule and reign over Matt's life, don't let this microphone confuse you. Where I struggle with rule and reign is with my mouth. And it's not that I'm out here cussing up a storm. It's not that I'm cussing up a storm. It's not that I'm letting those kind of words come from my lips. It's that if you caught me in those moments, and those conversations where I say something stupid that just shouldn't have come out of my mouth, and somebody says to me, 
Matt, if you just thought about what you said before you said it, you'd save yourself all of this. You could replace thought in that sentence with, Matt, if you would just submit before you said it, you would save yourself a lot of this. Because if you're talking to me, if you're around me when that happens, and I let my mouth slip, this is what's going to come out. Ready? Unholy, ungrateful, proud, arrogant, potentially abusive, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, reckless, and swollen with conceit. When Matt's a lover of self, I'm in my feelings. When my mouth isn't submitted, I am the most cold, callous, swollen with conceit, proud, arrogant individual you have ever met in this life. I'm submitted to God on Sundays and in my message prep and in my discipline and I really do love Jesus. But Lord knows, my wife knows, my trusted friends who are close know. on the brink of destruction when things happen in somebody else's life. I'm right there to pray. I'm right there to say all the right things. I'm right there with my mouth and my prayer and my faith submitted to what Jesus said in his promises. But when it comes to petty little things, it's not, hey, no worries, man. We love you. Believe the best in you. See you next week. It's not, ah, oh, what a bummer. Gonna miss you. Wish you were here. Thanks for letting me know, even though it was short notice. It's none of those things. It is arrogant, it is conceit, it is prideful, it is abusive, it is brutal, it is cold-hearted, it is unloving. And the funny thing is, is this has been a struggle of mine for years. Look, believe it or not, because I hope that you've met a Matt who has grown, who is further along in the journey with Jesus, who has some discipline and has himself under control in some ways. I hope that you've met a Matt that passionately loves Jesus and passionately loves you and will believe in you and speak into your future. And I don't care if we just met tonight, I will let you put me down in a resume and I will bleed for you. I hope that's the Matt that you've met. Because the empire of self met. It was very prideful, Matt. When I was growing up in youth ministry, I met Jesus at 16 years old. I had some incredible leaders around me who were not afraid to pull punches. They would just let them fly. And they sat me down because the night that I came to know Jesus, God spoke to me what I was supposed to do. The pastor said, I will introduce you to a father who will never treat you the ways you're did. And I was like, yep. I'm there because I'm covered in bruises, blood, and stitches right now sitting in a youth ministry at a church I've never been to next to a kid I don't even like who I've physically beaten up a few times. Coming to know Jesus, when he said those words, he said something else to me that night. That I would start a life-giving church. That'd be a home for anybody and everybody. That I would lead youth, and I would lead young people, and I would lead old people, that I would lead the masses to come home to know Jesus. Just like I had received right then. And I knew that since 16. But at 16, I had a lot of pride. I had a lot of pride. So what does pride and calling do? Yo, I'm telling everybody, I came to know Jesus tonight. This is my new bright ground. This ain't youth ministry. It's my new bright ground. I'm here. Matt's here. I'm the next big thing. I'm going to be the next Joel Osteen. I'm going to be the next T.D. Jakes. It's me. Yeah. And I had some, thank you. Thanks for letting me know. 
And I had some leaders who sat me down and was like, Matt, I absolutely believe you heard that from God. I absolutely believe that you are not lying when you said that. I believe that that is something God has spoken over you. Anybody who meets you knows that you bleed culture, that you bleed hope. But that way you also bleed. What's painted all over you is a smug, arrogant, prideful look about you. That you always know best, that you always know right, that you can't be told wrong, that you can't be put in your place, that you don't handle correction, that you aren't teachable. And friends, I'm going to tell you straight up, this is still something that I struggle with to this day. God, I hope I got the pride part down. I hope, I, I hope it's dead. I hope I don't come off like this arrogant guy. I hope it's not me. But I know there's parts of my life where I'm not teachable in. I want to be takes correction but these leaders sat me down and they told me this straight up and so the first thing I did when I was able to without my parents permission was I went and got this tattoo on my arm no matter how you feel about tattoos tonight please leave that at the door right now while I tell you this story because I think it's going to challenge you I think it's going to change you I think it's going to speak hope into your situation but I went and got this tattoo on my arm and when I wrote my message, I probably should have planned on wearing a short sleeve shirt, but it says John 3.30 on my arm. As a Christian, as a pastor, maybe my favorite verse should be John 3.16. It's, it's not. Sorry, Jesus. Sorry, Tim Tebow. Where are you at? I know you're listening. My favorite verse is John 3.30 because when they sat me down, this became my life verse and I inked it on my arm. And it literally says, I think we have it up on the screen, that first one. Can we get that ESV going? He must increase, but I must decrease. The greatest threat to the empire of self is when the Bible says, less of you, Matt, and more of him. Less of you, Dan, and more of him. Less than you, Scott, and more of him. Because, man, I think a lot of us are living lives right now following and falling to the falling prey to the empire of self more often than we know. I think we are the most self-destructive and the most self-sabotaging people on the planet, but we don't have to. We don't have to be because right here it says, if you are a lover of yourself, you are a lover of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, all these things, and suddenly... Will we take the rule and the reign of our own lives back? Will we take this from Jesus? Will we gain from him still following him in some aspects? We're still here. We're still showing up. We're still doing these things. We're still committed in some capacity, except for not in the ways that would actually change our lives. All of a sudden, we find ourselves, once we have enough of those reins back, in the same self-destructive patterns, moments, issues, stigmas, footholds, highway of sin in our lives where it's just nothing but chaos and disjointed and we don't know which way is up, which way is down. And there's an empire ruling and reigning in our lives. And we're right back to the same spot that we started where we knew that we needed a savior where we know we needed a Lord, where we knew that we were not equipped, we were not qualified, we didn't have it in us to rule and reign and lead our own lives, where we knew that if we wanted to get out of these patterns, if we wanted to get out of this path of destruction, if we wanted to have some victory in our lives, if we wanted some fullness on the inside, if we finally wanted something to satisfy the depths of our soul because it's been lonely, it's been hard, it's been deep, and it has been a brutal journey for some of us. 
And all we've wanted was a little satisfaction. All we've wanted was a little bit of escape. All we wanted was something to remedy our soul, the pain that we feel in our soul, even just for a moment. And Jesus is saying, this moment is going to last a lifetime. On through eternity, I am never going to leave you. I am never going to forsake you. But you've got to hand it over to me because you can't do it. You never could. You're never going to be able to. And what I'm asking you to go without with is for your success. It's for your victory. It might seem like I'm asking you for a lot, but let me tell you, friends, it's a price that I've paid, and I would pay a billion times over. And I think that you should too. Because you will have victory in this life and the next. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be another statistic of suicide. You don't have to be another statistic of divorce or a statistic of alcoholism or a statistic of drug use. You're not a st statistic. You are a champion. You're not a statistic. You are a son. You are not a statistic. You are a daughter of the Most High God. I'm going to preach to anybody tonight. And it starts less of me, God, and more of you. And I'm telling you, friends, this has been a painful battle that I've been in. Worship team, you can begin to make your way up here. I know we had the ESV version up there and I couldn't find these other versions in our program, but I want to read to you a few more verses of John 3.30. Different translations if I could as we get ready to worship, as we get ready to close, as we get ready to see people come home for the first time and be set free and get prayed over and all these things that are about to happen. Because for me, in order for that pride to decrease, humility had to increase. For me, for that arrogance in my life to be less than, empathy had to be more than. For me, in my life, Matt's comfortability had to go down and God's call in my life to the uncomfortable moments and the uncomfortable seasons and the uncomfortable people had to rise. Friends, we can defeat this empire of self. We don't have to be in this perpetual cycle where we self-serve and we're self-taught and we self-harm and we self-destruct all to get built back up off the ground again just to kill, die, repeat all over again. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross for you to remain in control of yourself because yourself is going to keep letting you down. It's going to keep harming you. It's going to keep you from your potential. It's going to keep you from your destiny. It's going to keep you from what he has designed and created you to be. If Matt is ever going to be and do all that God has called and created him to do, I must decrease and he must increase. If you are ever going to be and do all that God has called you to be and to do what he spoke you into existence for, what he dreamed you up for, what he thought one day would be amazing on this earth, would change things where they're at 
would walk in victory and triumph, would take ground from the darkness and bring hope and liberation to those far from God. If you were ever going to do that. It starts with less of you. And I know that math doesn't make sense to some of us. But it does in heaven and it does in purpose and it does with Jesus. So he, the English Standard Version says this, He must increase so that I must, dis, uh, He must increase but I must decrease. The NIV it says this, He must become greater, I must become less. In the Amplified Version it says, He must increase in prominence but I must decrease. John 3.30 in the Message Translation says, that's why my cup is running over. This is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip off to the sides. This is good news, church. If you're in this place and you ever wondered why, why it keeps happening to you, if you've been blaming the devil for too long, if you've been blaming society for too long, if you're blaming all these other avenues and that blame hasn't gotten you anywhere in this life. God is saying right now your best days are still ahead of you you don't got to blame this you don't got to blame that you take ownership for where you are but you hand that lordship over to me you hand that over to Jesus you give him the keys and you let him drive some of us are out here we're pulling the reverse Carrie Underwood and we're taking the wheel it's supposed to be funny it wasn't but for a lot of us, God is saying still, you've got to hand it over to me. You've got to decrease so that I can increase. If you begin to decrease in your life, my promises will increase. Your cup, you want that to run over? You want a full life? You want a saturated life? You want a life that is full of all the promises of God? Where, man, you might go through difficult seasons, but you can remain. You can stand firm. You can have peace. You can have hope in the darkest of moments if you want that. It's got to start with you handing over those reins that you've been holding on to. Those things in your heart that no, you haven't told anybody else about, but it's still those things that you hope for. It's still the desires that you hold on to. It's still the things in your life. We've got to say, no, 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 i got more for you in that area, and you know you've been holding it back. There's some of us in here tonight. If we could just chill for a second, guys. If we could just play a little. Yeah. Some of us in here tonight, we're dealing with an empire of self that's a little bit different maybe than your neighbor. For some of us in here tonight, yeah, Matt, yours is pride. Yeah, Ben, yours is lying. You're a liar. Some of us are this and that. But me? I'm the worst one of y'all. Because the empire of self in my life is I don't just hold back small things from God. Right now I'm at a place in my life where I am holding myself away from God. And I have thought about Throwing away the call, throwing away my destiny on this earth, throwing away my purpose. Because
because I've experienced some things in this life because this life has been more difficult for me than most. And I'm at the literal point of self-destructing. If that's you in this place, I don't need you to shoot your hand up. I don't need you to stand up and confess your struggles. When the Bible says less of you and more of him, it does not mean young person, old person, new Christian, old Christian, whoever you are. Less of you never means less of you on this earth or on this plane. It never means taking your own life and going out on your own. No, no, no. Less of you sometimes. It's letting down the pride of thinking you can contain this to yourself. Keep this on the inside of you. It's less of you. Means reaching out to a neighbor, calling a hotline, getting a hold of me or some other pastor or Christian in this room that you trust, that maybe you just met tonight. And less of you actually means more of you on this earth, but more with God in control because he has more for you. He's got a life ahead of you. He's got a call and a family and he has got dreams. That when you thought you could go on anymore and maybe you're in this place and you still don't think you can go on anymore, let me plead with you person in this room. Your life doesn't have to end. The message translation says that my cup overflows, my life overflows. My dreams are a reality. What God's called me, put me on this earth. Purpose actually happens. It manifests in my life. Now when I take my own life. Because my purpose on this planet is not to be a memory or a hurt in the holiday season. To be missed by my loved ones and the people that I've impacted up to this point. No, no, no. My purpose in this life is fulfilled when I slip off to the side and I hand the reign of my life over to my God. I hand my hurts in my life over to my God. I hand my experiences in this life over to my God. I give him lordship because I might not want to live, but he wants me to. He's got more for me. And you know what? I'm, I'm there right now where I can believe I can trust him with that. If that's you tonight, I want to pray for you in just a moment. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. We're going to do it right where you are. If I can get every head to bow and every eye to close in this place. I don't got to stand up right now. We don't need to make this more than, than it needs to be here at this moment. We're about to sing a song called New Wine. We love it so much here at church that we made a series out of it back in the summertime. There's a verse in it that says, Make me your vessel. Make me whatever you want me to be. Whatever he wants you to be. He doesn't want you to be a statistic of suicide or of depression, of mental warfare. He doesn't want you to give up. He wants you to give it over to him. And if you're in this place right now, I promise you, there is nobody looking around. There is nobody judging. There is no shame happening. This is no condemnation zone right here. If you're in that place and you have thought about 
taking your own life or this is a struggle for you, would you just be brave enough right now and trust me enough to have me be the only one with my eyes open? Would you lift your hand just for a second, just so I can know who I'm praying for? I see that hand. Yeah, I see that hand. 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 You are not alone. I see that hand. Sneaking up over here on the corner. I see that hand. I see that hand that just went up too. I just want to take this moment. I want to pray over every single one of you. Would you keep your hand extended out? Just in a just in a, a moment, an act of obedience, believing your hand is up, that you are going to receive something in this moment, that you're going to receive the joy that you need, the hope that you need, the peace that you need, the reason and the purpose to keep going on. Jesus, I thank you for every single hand raised right now in this moment, God. This isn't about empires anymore. This is about lives, Jesus. This is about eternity, Jesus. This is about your purpose in this earth, Jesus. That every single hand up right now plays in the history and the formation of this planet in the days to come. I thank you for every hand up right now, God, that is saying, I see that other hand that just went up. I'm proud of you for getting in. Those hands that are up, Jesus, we give them over to you, God. We hand our lives over to you, God. We are saying, Jesus, if you got more for me, I'll never look the other way. I'll never turn back. I'll never have another thought about it. I might have some rough days. I might have some difficult seasons. It might seem like it's never going to end, but I trust you from this moment forward to stay on this earth and believe for your purpose in this world, in Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said, Amen. make some noise for those people.